well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state? The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. And you know, we still have so many places around the country that uh, have a hard time understanding what that means. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Because they want to play games with our right to keep and bear arms. We have seen this, uh, particularly over the last year and a half or so, in uh, states like Illinois, where the Illinois State Police are taking more than six months, on average, to complete the uh, processing of FOID card applications. Remember, you've got to have a firearm owner identification card in order to legally own a gun in the state of Illinois. And as a result... You've got like a, a six to 12 month waiting period put in place because the state isn't processing the FOID cards. Same thing with concealed carry licenses in the state of Illinois. We've seen sheriffs sued in North Carolina uh, over delays in issuing concealed carry licenses. And not long ago, the Connecticut Citizens Defense League filed a new lawsuit, the second one that the CCDL has filed over the past two years in Connecticut. Again, going after the delays in processing permits. In, in Connecticut, by the way, you have to have a permit in order for you to own a gun. That permit is also your carry license. You also have to show that permit when you're buying not only firearms, but ammunition in the state of Connecticut. So there is no way for Connecticut residents to exercise their Second Amendment rights unless they get this permission slip from the state government or actually their, their local police departments. And the problem is a lot of these local police departments are dragging their feet. Uh, last year, the state of Connecticut, uh, Governor Ned Lamont, actually uh, shut down fingerprinting services across the state, which in turn led to basically the pause button being hit on all applications. CCDL sued over that. The uh, state backed off. We had an issue earlier this year where the state was supposedly upgrading its uh, online system, and as a result, uh, the upgrade ended up basically crashing the system. So you had firearms retailers who were unable to use the state's background check system to complete gun transfers. Uh, they were sued over that, too, uh, and that lawsuit is still going on. But the state says that they fixed that issue. But the CCDL recently sued a number of cities in Connecticut saying, look, the, these delays are continuing. And this isn't just a matter of, you know, regulating a right. We can argue about whether or not these regulations are constitutional. This is resulting in the denial of individuals being able to exercise their right to keep environments because of these lengthy delays. Good news, at least partially good news. Uh, according to the Connecticut Citizens Defense League, they have won a partial victory uh, in this lawsuit. Bridgeport, Connecticut, after being sued over these long delays, has suddenly figured out a way to start processing applications in a much more timely fashion. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened. But after they were sued, all of a sudden they figured out, oh, we don't have to make people wait for months on end in order to uh, get an appointment to try to become a gun owner. Oh, we can actually do that. Yeah, we can probably see you, you know, in a matter of a week or two. I don't know why we told you it was going to be next year sometime. <laughs> Boy, egg on our face. Mm -hmm. Holly Sullivan, who is the head of the citizen, uh, the uh, Connecticut Citizens Defense League, says Bridgeport's about face is clearly the result of CCDL's lawsuit and another victory for law-abiding citizens across Connecticut. Bridgeport residents have been suffering inordinately long wait times just to apply for a permit. 
Months ago, she says, we reached out to the city and asked it to bring its permitting system in line with the law, warning that if it did not, CCDL would be forced to take legal action. It's unfortunate, she says, that Bridgeport's continued violations of state law and its residents' constitutional rights forced the Connecticut Citizens Defense League to file suit. Hopefully, she added, this is a sign that the Bridgeport Police Department will follow the law going forward. However, while it appears lawful Bridgeport residents can now apply for firearms permits in a timely manner, we'll be watching how long it takes the city to process those applications, which has also been an ongoing problem there. Yeah, again, we got two issues, right? Because of the COVID pandemic, a lot of uh, jurisdictions have said, well, you know, office hours were not just open. You got to make an appointment. So all of a sudden that leads to delays in and of itself, right? Uh, yeah, our next availability is uh, March of next year. That work for you? Five months, and then you can apply, and then it's got to take us God knows how long in order to process these applications. Now, there are also a number of other um, towns in Connecticut that were sued alongside uh, Bridgeport. So you've got uh, Hartford, Connecticut, New Haven, Connecticut, Waterbury, Connecticut, uh, all also a part of this lawsuit. Uh, And so far, there's been no word or indication that any of those other three towns have suddenly figured out how to start accepting applications in a timely manner. Uh, I, I hope that this lawsuit proceeds. And ultimately, you know, look, I don't, I don't have any uh, idea that uh, the legislature in Connecticut is going to change the law, but maybe the courts will. Because as we've seen, and again, it's not just one state, it's not just one city, As we have seen, the licensing and permitting process is standing in the way of responsible Americans from exercising their constitutionally protected rights. Because, again, in a time of COVID, in a time of increased demand for firearms among responsible Americans, the state cannot keep up with the flood of applications, with the demand of of Americans who want to exercise their Second Amendment rights. And when the state can't keep up with that demand, what happens? Folks just have to wait it out, right? Well, you'll get your permit when we get around to it. Mm -mm. If it's a crime for me to carry a gun without a permit, and by law, let's say the state of Illinois or the state of Connecticut has... 30 days or 60 days to process these permits. Okay, I happen to think the the common sense solution, I know gun control advocates love that phrase, common sense. So the common sense solution to me is, if I'm legally allowed to possess a firearm, and I live in a state which, again, requires me to get that government permission slip, so I fill out my application, I drop it off, I submit it, and if the state can't do its job, in the time that it is allotted to itself in statute. I think the common sense solution is, after that deadline has been reached, those individuals who could receive a license, in fact, those individuals who shall receive a license, but they just haven't yet, frankly, I don't think it should be a crime for them to be able to carry. Because what's, what's the alternative? The alternative is that the state is allowed to deprive people of their civil rights based on their own inability or unwillingness to do their job. Now, our rights cannot be contingent 
on the government bureaucracy functioning efficiently. Because if that's the case, we're hosed. And it's got to be far more than our right to keep our arms that we're going to lose. So I hope that this case, uh, it sounds like this case is going to continue because we do have other jurisdictions. Uh, Bridgeport apparently trying to get out of this lawsuit. I said, okay, no, 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 no. Now we got to wait. Now we got to wait to to take these applications quickly. But as the uh, CCDL said, they're going to be watching to see how long it takes for the applications to be processed. Uh, And I suspect that some of these towns are going to continue to put up a fight in order to try to keep people away from their constitutionally protected rights. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We will start there uh, with a, a story out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Actually, El Reno, Oklahoma, not far away from Oklahoma City, uh, where a man has been found guilty of a deadly shooting at a gas station in Oklahoma City. Zachary Huber, as it turns out, not allowed to possess the firearm that he uh, allegedly used in this uh, crime, where he, he's accused, by the way, of attacking a man at random at a gas station. Guy standing at gas pumps. Huber allegedly pulls up, doesn't know the guy, and just starts shooting at him and, and, and killed him. Uh, there were good Samaritans in the area who tried to stop Huber from getting away. None of them apparently were armed, but one of them actually ran into Huber's car with his own. Huber still sped off, but at least they were able to say, hey, you know what, look for a dent in this spot in the car. So they were able to arrest him. Uh, this was back in September of 2018. Now Huber's been convicted of murdering Ryan Johnson. But here's the thing. Huber, arguably, should not have been out on the street to begin with. Um, as it turns out, Huber was on probation at the time. Actually, he was on a deferred sentence at the time for having a firearm while he was on probation. Yeah, as well as being reckless with a firearm, possession of a controlled substance, and drug paraphernalia. So, Huber had lost his right to own a firearm, at least while he was on probation. He violated that, was also uh, either convicted or pled guilty to being reckless with a firearm that he was not allowed to possess. And the outcome of that case was a deferred sentence. So we could send you to prison, Mr. Huber, but we're not going to do so. Even though, again, this is not your first run-in with the law, we're going to send you on your merry way. But be warned, my friend, if you do anything to violate your probation, we'll send you back to prison. Well, yeah, now Huber's going to be spending the rest of his life in prison. Because while he was out on that deferred sentence, he shot and killed a man in cold blood. So, yeah, his probation's been revoked. That deferred sentence is going to be applied. A little late now, isn't it? A little late. Zachary Huber is going away for the rest of his life, but he shouldn't have been out on the streets to commit this crime three years ago. Uh, Our good uh, armed citizen. I almost jumped ahead there. Our uh, armed citizen story of the day. I'm just going to give you this headline. Suspected robber shot by North Pole homeowner. I'm not saying that it was Santa Claus, but I will tell you, that uh, troopers in North Pole, Alaska, have not released the names of anybody involved in this defensive gun use. So it's a possibility. Uh, Anyway, it was uh, early Monday morning. A uh, North Pole, Alaska homeowner shot a man for allegedly breaking into uh, the home and attempting a robbery. Alaska state troopers in Fairbanks notified about the alleged home invasion about 3.30 that morning. Upon arriving at the home, troopers learned that the intruder had been shot and was still alive. The homeowner did not report any injuries. 
Trooper said the alleged intruder was sent to a local hospital, was then uh, further airlifted to a hospital in Anchorage. Uh, as of uh, Tuesday morning, Trooper said the man is alive and uh, is receiving treatment. Dispatch said this is an ongoing investigation. Charges are pending upon the man's release from the hospital. The homeowner not expected to face any charges. And uh, again, hopefully the attempted home invasion won't impede the uh, homeowner's progress. Perhaps progress in uh, ensuring that everybody has a good Christmas. I don't know. I mean, could not be related to Santa Claus at all, but just saying there's a possibility. All right. Finally today, our uh, good deed of the day. Story out of Eugene, Oregon, where a uh, police officer in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to uh, help restore the faith of a couple of young kids who were just trying to make a little bit of money this summer. And doing so in one of the most old-fashioned ways possible, a lemonade stand. Well, as it turns out, Preston Reed and Blaze Chase were given funny money. There was a guy who showed up at their lemonade stand this summer and gave him a $100 bill. And, uh, I mean, that's a lot of money for a lemonade. He wanted change, too, by the way. Wasn't just like, hey, kids, you guys are doing great work. I want to reward you with a hundred bucks. No, he's like, I want to buy a cup of lemonade. Hey, yeah, change for a hundred. Yeah. So the kids, eh, I don't know about that. Preston said, I knew that the money was fake, but I didn't want to say it to his face because I got kind of nervous. And so uh, Blaze started slowly counting out $97 in change. One, Mississippi, two, Mississippi. Uh, Blaze said, as I finished counting the money, Preston was running down the street saying it's fake, but the guy had already jumped in his car. So we tried to get photos of his license plate, but they weren't clear enough. Uh, Blaze's mom, Jasmine, chases. We were shocked. It was devastating for the kids, she said. I think it was devastating for us to know that there are people driving around that would steal from children. Yeah, I, I, uh, listen, we live in a world with some really craptastic people out there. I mean, I, I hate to tell you that, but uh, you probably need to teach your kids that uh, not everybody's going to be their friend. Uh, Hudson Warden who's a police officer in Eugene, Oregon. He was the next on scene. And he said, this is horrible. He said, I went into the store. He said, I tried to use the ATM to get some money. They didn't have it. Their ATM was broken. So I went down to the credit union. I took out 100 bucks, And I came back and I gave him $100. Which, I gotta say, above and beyond the call of duty for uh, Officer Hudson Warren there. So I wanted to go out and take a police report, get the description of the car, maybe even look for the, you know, crumb bum who, uh, Stole a hundred bucks from these two kids. That 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 that's all you know in a day's work. But going down to your local credit union, taking out a hundred dollars of your own money and giving it to these kids who got suckered by a guy passing off a, a counterfeit hundred dollar bill—that really is above and beyond. But he said, "I wanted to show them that people are good, and I appreciate that. Some people are good. Other people." Yeah, they're jackasses, and they'll steal money from little kids. But uh, that's not everybody. And I'm glad to know that Officer Hudson Warren, uh, not one of them, in the right place, at the right time, wasn't able to do more than the right thing. Uh, Officer Hudson Warden, we thank you, sir, for your very good deed. And we thank you for being a part of the program. As always, don't forget to uh, be sure to check out BarryAndArms.com throughout the day for even more Second Amendment stories that... Uh, you need to know about, including a piece I'm working on this afternoon that should be going up uh, this afternoon, this evening, about a new art exhibit in Chicago on gun violence that sure seems to be targeting law-abiding gun owners and not 
the many, many violent criminals in the city of Chicago. We'll have uh, that at BarryAndArms.com and much more. We'll see you back here tomorrow with even more uh, Second Amendment news and information. If you like what you see, by the way, at BarryAndArms.com, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, just go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. You can become a VIP member. Uh, use the promo code GUNS. You can get 25% off of your VIP membership. We certainly do appreciate your support. And until we speak again, be well, be safe, and be free.